Today, I want to talk to you about how you can experience the best that God has for your family. In this series, we've asked God to help us connect with the needs of our own heart and also how to love our neighbors. For a few weeks, we're going to listen to God's words speak to the relationships in our homes. Today is Mother's Day, and I have in mind moms as I speak. But today will apply to anyone who wants to live in a happy, healthy home that honors God. First of all, let me say a word of thanks to all the moms who are listening. Some of you have heard it, but all of you deserve to hear it at least once today. We thank God for you. You do so much for us. If you're in a room with a mom right now, just give her a hug. I've asked some of my friends on Facebook what moms do, and I wanted to share some of their answers. Moms move things all day. Moms wipe heinies and mop puke. Moms hold you until you're calm. Moms cook, and boy, can they cook. Moms laugh at our jokes, even when they're dumb. Moms do so much for others and expect so little in return. And great moms like dads do this. You know it, and I know it. I've been fortunate to have a great mom. And by marriage, I got blessed with a fantastic mother-in-law. I know that you're watching today, and I hope you know how much I love you. Just over 16 years ago, I saw my wife, Jeannie, become a mom, and I can't imagine a better mom to our four children. I've seen all three of these women do so much for our entire family. So much about caring for others in our home is about doing things for people. And you know and I know that doing helps strengthen links to build healthy connections in our homes. It's a part of what it means to be family. But do you know that the most important work you can do for others is actually something you do for yourself? Let me explain by taking you to an encounter between Jesus and two sisters. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. Okay, let me stop here and give a little context. Jesus is known by most at this time as a gifted teacher. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he'll be crucified and three days later be raised from the dead. The two sisters welcome him into their home as a gifted teacher, but what they don't realize is that he is God in the flesh. Listen to the Apostle Paul describe this man who's now in their home. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before all else, and he holds all creation together. This is who is in Martha's home. Verse 18 of Colossians 1. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Can you imagine having this person in your home? Martha does, but she doesn't fully comprehend who he is. Let's pick back up in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. 
And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Seems innocent enough, right? Well, the emphasis here is not on the content of the teaching. Instead, the emphasis in the passage is on what people in the house are doing while Jesus is teaching. Mary is doing something for herself. She's listening. Martha is doing, as we will see, something for others. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. In this culture, the hostess is expected to do whatever it takes to make everyone happy. I suspect that doing this work, even if it exhausted her, gave her a sense of purpose in that home. And I'm sure that if she did not do it, there would be tasks left undone. And maybe, just maybe, she had told herself that it is not okay to leave tasks undone. Let me pause here and say something. You will never accomplish all the tasks. The list is infinite. Sure, you can finish some task and that feels good. But if you believe that a lie, that accomplishing all the tasks will make you feel happy, since that list is infinite, you will actually become miserable. I'll talk more on this later. Well, here's Martha. She's doing for others what is expected of her culturally. But Mary is doing something very countercultural. She's stopping doing for others and doing something for herself. Well, Martha is annoyed. Look at verse 40. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Well, the point of the passage seems obvious. We should not put others and doing for others ahead of time spent with Jesus. This is what I'm asking you to do for yourself. Give yourself daily time at the feet of Jesus. Now, I know most of you watching have heard this exhortation many times. And I know that you can quickly think of good reasons why you are unable to find this time. I have let many good reasons keep me from quiet time with Jesus over the years. It's things like work and kids and chores and planning parties and attending parties. It's unexpected phone calls or planned phone calls or unexpected texts or planned texts. It's events that we want to do. It's events that we should do. You're spending all of your time doing things for others. And most of what you do helps build connections with others in your home. But if you're unwilling to do this one thing for yourself, it will hurt those for whom you work. Did you get that point? Listen carefully. If you neglect doing this one thing for yourself, it will negatively impact those for whom you are doing so much every single day. And the converse is true. If you do this one thing for yourself, it will positively impact those for whom you work every day. I wonder why it was hard for us, like Martha, to believe that stopping doing things for others so that we can spend daily time with God is a better way to live. I wanna suggest a few possibilities as to why this is so difficult. First of all, we tend to let what we do define us. It's about identity. If I stop working for others, doing things for others, I lose a sense of self, sense of who I am. Neartown Church, where I pastor, gives its pastors a sabbatical every five years. I got one four years ago, and I worked hard to prepare for this special time away from normal duties of pastoral ministry. 
My work assignment in my sabbatical wasn't going to be sermons or managing budgets or organizing teams or counseling people, the normal duties of being a pastor. Instead, I was, had the work of rest and reconnection. But the first month I was off, it was miserable. Here's why. I lost a sense of self because my identity was so wrapped up in doing things for others. I, like Mary, excuse me, Martha, became very annoyed. When we let our doing tasks define who we are and we stop doing those things, we can lose a sense of self. This happens also for moms when they see that last kid go off to college or move away from the home. I believe Jesus is inviting us to a new way of life. This new way means we're no longer defined by what we do for others. Instead, we are who we are is located in the person and work of Jesus. So whether or not we accomplish many tasks or just a few, we have peace knowing that who we are in Christ is all that matters in this life. There is so much joy when you work for others out of this identity. A second possibility as to why it's so difficult to sit at the feet of Jesus. We keep telling ourselves that if we'll just accomplish all the tasks that there's real peace. We think that peace can be found in getting our task list done. If everything's done, then everything will be right in my world. Everything will be in order. I live in a house built in the 1940s. It is one long task list. And like others, I thought that COVID-19 would give me an opportunity to check all the tasks off my list. And the first big one was to power wash the front of my house. And it's the kind of thing that every day when I get home from work, after doing a lot for others, I drive up into my driveway and I hear from my house, you have one more thing to do. It's terrible. It's like a voice. Well, I was going to check that off my task list and I did. But you know what? The next day when I got home from work, there was another voice. You need to scrape and caulk and paint the windows. You see, the task list is always done. And if you think that getting all the tasks done will make everything right in the world, you will exhaust yourself trying. Sometimes we have a hard time slowing down to sit at the feet of Jesus because there's so much that has to be done. The idea of pausing and receiving from Christ is just not even our frame of reference. We can't even think about it. But Jesus says in John 14, peace I give to you. If I wait to stop and spend time with Jesus until after I get all the tasks done, it will ultimately burn me out. A third possibility as to why it's so hard to sit at the feet of Jesus is that we don't understand what it means to be in Christ. We think that all that God wants from us is to do things for others. And there are certainly a time for that, which we'll talk about in a minute. But don't you think that Mary was doing what she thought God wanted her to do? She's serving this person, Jesus, who's in her home. But here's the thing, this new way of life in Christ tells us that what God wants from us first and foremost is a relationship with him. And then our work will come out of that. A fourth reason that it's difficult to sit at the feet of Jesus. We are sometimes afraid that if we slow down and listen, God might ask us to do something difficult. Mar Martha has a routine and she's executing on that routine, which is very comfortable for her. She is bothered that Mary has allowed her routine to be disrupted to sit at the feet of Jesus. Here's the thing. The kitchen is familiar 
The mission requires courage. The kitchen is comfortable. The mission of Jesus requires us to step out and be boldly asking God, what do you want from me? Here's, here's what you must know in all of this. Since our identity is now in Christ's work, not our own, we experience peace without fear of what God will say when we spend daily time with him. So I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you to follow this simple plan. First of all, schedule a daily time with Jesus. You might be saying to me right there, and I've heard it many times and I've said it many times, well, I just don't have time. And the reality is you have time for everything in your life that's important to you. And if you'll do this one thing for yourself, it will actually benefit others. Can you imagine a life where you're able to work out of your relationship with Christ in serving others? And I'm not saying that you should not help others or do good for others. In fact, this passage in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, which we've just talked about, it's seated in a part of Luke's gospel where Jesus has just sent out his disciples into villages to do the work of sharing the gospel. And then just after that, just before this passage that we've talked about today, is the story of the Good Samaritan, which is a story about a person who does the good work of helping someone who's been beaten and robbed. So there is a place for doing for others, but what I'm saying to you is this, is that cannot replace your daily time with Jesus. You say, I don't have time. Let me challenge you with this. Treat it as if you have an appointment with a billionaire. And that billionaire has said to you that they will give you $1,000 a day for the rest of your life with one requirement. That requirement is 20 minutes spent with them. Can you imagine? Most of us would make time for that conversation with that billionaire because they have something valuable to give us, which is $1,000. That $1,000 will make life a little easier. That $1,000 will reduce the pressure and reduce the stress. That $1,000 will free us up to do more of what we want to do. Now, think of that when you consider whether or not you have time every day to spend with Jesus. Of course you do. Because what I'm saying to you is that if you will do this one thing for yourself, then doing things for others will be more enjoyable. You'll have more time. You'll have more patience. You'll have more grace as you experience the grace that is found at the feet of Jesus. Set it up as if you're meeting with an investor, somebody who's going to give something to you. Because here's the thing, at the feet of Jesus, a lot can be found. I know that you're busy. I know that there's a lot of items on your task list to do. But today, can we all just commit to one another and commit to the Lord? Hey, we're going to make it a priority to spend daily time with Jesus. Very practically, what that means is that you look at your schedule and you say, you know what, here's a window of 15, 20, 30 minutes where I'm going to stop, I'm going to open God's word to listen to God, and then I'm going to talk to God in a conversation that we call prayer. And what would be helpful to you as I'm calling you to action is that you tell somebody in your loop group or tell a friend what you've decided to do. 
Just get it out there because there is a lot of help whenever we're accountable to others for committing to this time with Jesus. So the gift that I have for you today, moms and caregivers, dads, whoever's listening, is to challenge you with this one thing. Spend daily time with Jesus. If you do, I promise you, there is great reward. Let's think on and pray about these things.